Do you guys have any um, preference for how I describe your podcast or? Um, brilliant. The best. <laughs> Genius. Well, definitely that. Go, go, go support their Patreon at the yeah. absolute highest level you possibly can. <laughs> yeah. That would be the, uh, you know. That would be the preferred way. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, I meant more like descriptive. We will definitely stick that in at the end, but uh... Uh, no, no. Uh, I, I mean, you know, you you know the show. You know kind of what's going on. I don't have any problem with you know kind of whatever you uh, however you choose to. You know. Do I call it like a anti-Nazi podcast or anti-fascist podcast or? I think we've. Uh, I think. I mean. I think our intro. We call it an anti-fascist podcast. So that's probably the, okay. you know, the way to, to go. All right. Welcome to episode sixty-one of Polite Conversations. It has been a while. Today, I've got me wonderful, brilliant, and genius. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I laughed too much for that. Hold on. Let me do it again. I couldn't have asked you guys how to describe it. Now I'm going to laugh every time. Um, then, honestly. <laughs> I, it hasn't even started yet, and I've already sabotaged it. <laughs> <laughs> like, including the bit where we ask, where you asked, how should we how should we describe it? And then, you know, that should be the, the cold open. You know, that's definitely what Jack and I would do at this point. So. Last time. Okay. Welcome to episode, oh my god, the pressure is just so high right now. Why am I so out of practice? Oh. Welcome to episode 61 of Polite Conversations. Today, I've got the guys from the wonderful and brilliant I Don't Speak German podcast here with me. Make sure that uh, that program doesn't contain controversial subjects and uh, you're not impolite to people no definitely not dad you know me i'm never <laughs> ever controversial or yeah, impolite yeah, yeah okay welcome to conversations with your lovable never pisses anyone off ex-muslim host Ina, keeping it non-controversial Jack and Daniel, how are you guys doing? Hi, pretty good. I haven't actually said your names together, and uh, yeah, there's a couple of dad jokes that come to mind. Yeah? I bet you've heard them all. <laughs> how are you guys uh, doing during this wonderful, strange, bizarre reality that we all exist in these days? Well, it's been 2020, hasn't it? So it's been a bit stressful for everybody uh, and i think i uh, you know i think i can say without fear of contradiction a bit stressful for me included um but uh, yeah well, i'm i'm still here certainly daniel are you still there still here uh, i'm just waiting for uh, comrade biden to come in and uh, just solve all the problems of the world with his radical socialist agenda that's, uh, that's yeah. cool. the yeah. leader of uh, the antifa super soldiers <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. I'm I'm not sure how we would have survived the pandemic if it weren't for the regular Soros check. So, thank you, um, <laughs> Mr. Soros. Oh, that one that one time twelve hundred dollars really really helped solve all all the financial issues I've run into over the course of the last ten months or so. Yeah, it came, with, it came with Trump's signature on it, but we know who it was really from. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so, um, what's been going on? I see you guys have been covering the intellectual dark web a little bit. And that's uh, quite interesting because you guys are normally Nazi watchers, right? Well, I have to say, in all modesty, it's more Daniel who's the Nazi watcher. I'm the more Daniel listening to talking about Nazis. Are. So you're just the guy that listens to Daniel talk about what Daniel talks about, basically. That, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's more therapy than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> it's, an, it's an important job. Hey. I like to think so. Yeah. I, I agree. I couldn't do the show without Jack. I did one episode without him and I'm like, no, this took like ten times as long. <laughs> Please. No, we need we need Jack. <laughs> like Jack edits everything. Like Jack does the back end like production work on everything. I did one episode by myself, I should say. Uh. Because we um I've done a number of like guest episodes without Jack. Um but then Jack does the you know, makes everything sound good and like uploads it and puts every, puts all the links in and all that other sort of thing. Um, but I did one episode like completely by myself, um, uh, which was uh, the first clip episode, which uh, I decided to um, demonstrate that the uh, Nazis, the the open national socialists who uh, <laughs> run, they they were telling some lies. And I decided to do a little episode, like cutting in a bunch of clips. And uh, since then, we've done, been doing more mm. clips in episodes, um, which we resisted for a long time for a lot of like kind of complicated. Oh my reasons. god, it's such a pain! Oh, it's such a pain. <laughs> let me tell you, I wish I had a Jack. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you guys, you guys normally cover some really blatant, disgusting, like full-on Nazi stuff. But then, Daniel, you were kind of interested in some of the IDW guys, too, which I find really interesting because, hmm, it's such a strange coincidence that uh, the Nazi-covering, Nazi-watching guy, like, I wonder why. I wonder why he's, like, you know, also interested in covering the Brain Genius crew. Why do you think that is? You know, almost as if the uh, the IDW, and I, I want to be clear that you know, like most of the people in the intellectual dark web are no, not of course overtly not. Nazis. No. In fact, no, no, none no. of them are overtly Nazis. But and we, in fact, the first episode that we did regarding these guys was the Sam Harris mm. episode, which you know we should probably talk about <laughs> at some point, given that you have actually had Sam Harris on your show. <laughs> yeah, somehow I don't think he's uh, he's chopping at the bit to come on. I don't speak German anytime I soon. I don't think he's coming on my show again ever either. <laughs> yeah, he he goes out of his way to call you out on other right. people's shows that have call, much. Call uh, me out or just uh, like uh, call crazy, you know, because I'm so crazy right. that I criticize him. Yeah, well, telling lies about you as well, and it does seem like that's kind of a pattern with a lot of these guys, uh, given, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, previous guests of the show have had uh, similar uh, similar issues with with some of these guys, particularly um, Eric mm. and Brett Weinstein, who uh, we'll probably get to, get to shortly, but... Um, one of the things, and I think Jack Jack can speak for himself, but uh, I think you know we would both agree, and he will very very <laughs> he will speak for himself. Um, but try to um, step back and make room. That's fine. That's fine. Um, no, I, I think there is a, a sense in which we both sort of come out of the new atheist community in a way. 
um, we both kind of went through that community back in oh, kind yeah. of the late 2000s, like, early 2010s. Hashtag and solidarity, guys. Of, We've I've been there. <laughs> we're we're all uh, we're all veterans of the new atheism oh, wars, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Embarrassing. And if you look. If you look at sort of the social origins of what we call the alt-right, which uh, I don't use the term alt-right from the New Atheist Movement after the Mm -hmm. Elevator Gate um, phenomenon, uh, which involved uh, Rebecca Watson in 2011, um, making the very mild statement that, hey, maybe you shouldn't uh, hit on women at three in the morning who you know are drunk uh, and offer them to come back to your hotel room. Very mild statement. In an elevator. In an elevator. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah. And then Richard Dawkins uh, kind of got in the mix and decided he wanted to like throw his dick around, <laughs> oh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you know, like, but if we can't accost women in elevators, what does it mean for the freedom of people to engage in honest debate? And yeah, so uh, so Al Qaeda already won. <laughs> now, see, I kind of wasn't very online around that time, so I came into this only just hearing about elevator gate as this like oh my god it was just horrendous men can't in their direction and so i had had this like distorted view of what it was and until recently like um the me too stuff came around uh i i didn't even think about it that much i guess the elevator gate story because i wasn't really there for it uh i just knew in the back of my mind that people had really uh talked about it as being this ridiculous story so then i went back and and looked up all these videos and started like listening to the actual story i looked up rebecca watson's like account of it and it just was so mild everything was so mild and reasonable you know i had pictured like all this ridiculous shrieking because that's all i had heard right everything was so toned down and just nothing to make such a big deal about you you mean watson was was very yeah yeah. exactly yeah she was completely reasonable in what she was saying yeah. yeah i had just no idea um, and looking back at it, like, I guess around 2018 and trying to learn about this situation, like so many years after the fact, it was just very bizarre because for so many years I had heard about this horrendous SJW's like elevator gate story and uh, yeah, just completely distorted. A uh, huge overreaction. Certainly very revealing, isn't it? Yeah, from the guys who are all facts and no feelings. Definitely those guys never get emotional or anything, you know, so... Right. Oh, God, no, no. No, right. it's it's all very Socratic and Baconian and detached and dispoky chin. Hmm, yeah, so we need to, you know, it's all... And, until a woman says, you know, could you maybe not make me uncomfortable by propositioning me in an, when you don't know me in an elevator at 3 a.m.? You know, and then... To, to quote the Joker, everybody just loses their And wasn't their it minds. like after she had specifically been giving a talk about how these types of things like make her yes. uncomfortable and then someone actually yes. after that talk then did it. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's it's not as if what the point she was trying to make turned out to be unfounded. I mean, she she was making really, as you said, a very mild point and, and you know, the, several people, particularly women in the atheist movement, if we want to call it that, 
had been trying to say there is there there are problems here as there are in all in all sorts of spaces and then you know things subsequently proved that there most certainly was a problem i mean not not least of which was the Shermer thing i, mean, I know those are unproven allegations but so um, many but, of them right you know the whole the whole thing ignited again when PZ Myers related the the allegations against Shermer, who's of course now a member of the, uh, or sort of a member of the IDWA, isn't he? Of the so what? So you can see the lineage there. The IDWA, that's what I call them. The, I- oh, the ITW. Okay. I had never heard it um, described like that. <laughs> it's it's always been like this SJW versus anti SJW conversation, like always every few years being rebranded. Now we're at the wokeness versus anti-wokeness and it's always the same same thing and that's what elevator gate was about that's what the biggest war in new atheism is always about you know yeah i mean and and a lot of the same figures from as as i think i intimated earlier i mean a lot of the same figures from elevator gate you know this becomes sort of a dividing line which already always kind of existed because i was involved in this kind of like online atheism stuff going back to at least like 2007 and i was even on like you know usenet um on the talk origins news group in you know between like 2003 and 2005 and you know pz myers was sort of like comes out of that group and um you know a lot of the other kind of figures who you know aaron raw was on that news group you know a lot of of these kind of a lot of these kind of figures um and there was always this kind of like gap between this you know kind of like lefty liberal sjw type and the more like you know, right libertarian leaning uh, people within the movement, and ultimately there was a sense of like, well, we'll all kind of make common cause against the right wing reactionaries um, pushing religious dogma in schools and doing the creationism and being anti gay and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, in this kind of George W. Bush era politics, um, and there was always this tension, and you saw like this. That's like, a sorry, just to break in. That's a that's a big thing I think for people to understand. That I mean, certainly myself, I was never really so much a member of the of the new atheist movement, but I was certainly what what you might call a sort of pilot fish or a fellow traveler or something, despite being very firmly on the left, you know, at the time, but having a pre-existing commitment to socialist politics before that, I kind of got drawn into this little cul-de-sac. I now see it as a cul-de-sac of kind of anti-clericalism, you know, that I, which is how I interpreted mm-hmm. new atheism at the time. And I think it's very important. I mean, not just in terms of my personal story, but in terms of the wider understanding of it to point out that the, the moment I think is what did that to a lot of people because you not only had stuff like intelligent design and trying the discovery institute and people like that trying to get that in schools you had you had basically an open uh, fundamentalist evangelical christian as the president of the united states fraudulent president i might add and they were yeah. you know the, the the war on terror and all that was you know completely you know millions protested against it i was one of them and i think I, I mean, I, Dawkins, to his credit, I suppose he, he was against the invasion of Iraq. Hitchens, of course, was for it. Um, Harris waffled, didn't he? But he's very much an apologist for the war on terror. Um, I think at the time... <laughs> I don't. I think I, I'm against Bush, you see. I mean, Bush is bad. We shouldn't pro- probably well, shouldn't have boots on the ground. But bombing same, brown people is probably a very good same thing. Same shtick he does now with Trump. Right. But let me write this piece called In Defense of Torture yeah. and... Yeah. But all I all I wanted to like, say I was think I think the third the, episode I think the third episode of what was then called Waking Up it is now called Making Sense. <laughs> Which, <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> I think the, yeah, the third episode is... Both completely ridiculous names oh, for what it is, just actually. Just a moment pause on the fucking hubris of calling your podcast either Waking Up or Making Sense. <laughs> but I think the third episode is why I don't criticize Israel and basically saying, like, well, you know, the apartheid crimes of Israel are not something that I need to be critical of because don't we really need to focus on the dangers of jihadi terrorism instead? <laughs> But is okay. Is that not his line for everything? Though why don't I criticize white supremacists yep. that much? Because guys, it's not Islam and it's not global jihadism, which is the the only civilizational problem that the world has. Yeah. And the left is so wrong about it that you can't blame poor innocent people for you know turning to the yeah. right. Just just to finish up what I was saying was yeah, that you know it was possible at the time in that context with Bush as the president and the rise of, of right wing Christianity very much on the rise. I mean it was pre existing but it was on the rise in that early two thousands period for somebody including somebody very firmly on the left like myself to fool yourself into thinking this is a uh, this is a fight that needs to be fought this is a discussion that needs to be had because there's this rise of reactionary re religionism you know not that i'm against religion per se I, i've graduated well away from that but you know that was possible for a reasonable person to to think for a while and you could say well you know dawkins I mean, I'm not a fan of religion no. even now but i'm very different from what new atheism totally. was yeah but you could, I mean, certainly speaking for myself at the time, it was possible to look at Dawkins and think, yeah, well, I don't like his sort of sociobiology and he's a liberal politically, don't like that. Hitchens, I had been an admirer and then he went mad after 2001. Um, but but it was, it, you know, and it was possible to go along with it for a bit. And then, funnily enough, it was reading Sam Harris that kind of snapped me out of it. Really, it was reading <laughs> Sam Harris because that, that was the moment when I realized, no, this is just apologia for state terrorism. <laughs> this is just Islamophobic apologia for the war on terror. It's literally all this. So I do, in a way, I, or ironically, I have to thank Sam Harris for waking me up. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not that wrong after no, well, all. No, he's right by accident. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can say the same. Like, it was actually listening to his bullshit that uh, woke me up to his yeah. bullshit. Um, but, yeah, like, once you start seeing the larger patterns of things, it's very hard to unsee those, right? When you when you look at specific instances, you can still maybe make excuses. Oh, it's just this one time. He didn't mean it. Maybe he misunderstood. But when you look at it happening repeatedly over years and years and years, you're like, okay, come on, this guy is doing this on yeah. purpose. <laughs> well, or, or maybe he's not. Like, maybe he really is that clueless. Like, I genuinely think he's that far up his own ass, honestly. <laughs> and, and... No, but what do you mean? Like, yeah, okay, he believes he believes the stuff he says, sure, but what do you mean he's not doing it on purpose? Like, of course he's, like, you think he doesn't think um, some of the stuff he says about BLM or uh, Muslims or Muslim birth rates and uh, demographics and praising Douglas Murray and Charles Murray, like... You think he doesn't really realize how that's incredibly right wing or even bordering on far right I think, talking points? I of think him? Sam Harris, and we can disagree. I mean, you know, like this is my perspective. You, you've actually spoken to him, which, you know, uh, but my feeling is with, that he sees with, himself one step as, away from greatness. <laughs> 
I think he sees himself as, you know, like, well, I'm a good liberal and I may disagree with some of Douglas Murray's politics. I mean, he said this explicitly in the... He doesn't say well, that, he though. he says this explicitly in the, like, Ezra Klein interview, um, which I re-listened to this week um, in preparation for doing this podcast because I thought it might come up. And I am, like, genuinely fascinated with the whole, like... Sam Harris, Charles Murray, Ezra Klein thing. Like, I think it's a legitimately, like, there should be books written about this. Oh, no, you're talking about Charles right. Murray. Yeah, I'm well, talking about well, Douglas he, Murray. Okay. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm moving to Charles Moore. I did say Douglas Murray before, and I was kind of thinking about that. Like, he does sort of, I don't think he realizes how far Douglas, how far to the right Douglas Murray really is, because Douglas Murray will kind of make, like, sensible sounds about like well i'm a conservative but ultimately i understand we need to live in like this liberal democracy and i understand that people may not agree with everything but also we need to keep the muslims out and he's so like kind of focused on that issue and he's so kind of focused on that yeah, thing yeah but when uh, and, and i mean my, one of the things that i find most disgusting about sam harris in terms of like just individual moments is the uh, the moment in which Douglas Murray is talking about what a serious versus an unserious civilization would be on Sam Harris's podcast. And he says, like, you know, Islam is not looking at, like, the transgenders in their bathrooms and all their, all their yes, issues. Yes, 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 yes. Going, <laughs> like a 13-year-old yep, yep. giggling child from, like, the watching a porky's movie that's how that's how he sees uh you know that those kinds of issues and uh, i mean it, it's 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 vile it's disgusting and it is like i mean you know there is a sense in which you know i really do treat the way that people view uh, uh transgender people and the way people talk about transgender people is a very clear sign it, it really is the the end of the wedge in terms of like kind of current discourse right now and like if you are not fully on board with transgender people being treated with full human rights they would of course never uh acknowledge right. that in that way though right but yes there's trans people there's immigrants there's uh, feminists, women in general, <laughs> Muslims, so many people, yeah. right, that they fall on the wrong side of, you know, human rights. Absolutely. Like, but but it, just, is re it, it does feel like an acid test just in our particular moment, doesn't it, the trans issue? Yeah, because that's like the conversation yeah. that's that's happening right now, yeah. right? Um, well, they're stuck in, like, I'd say the late 80s, maybe the 90s, where being pro-gay rights, pro-gay marriage makes them very much on the left, but that's not really true right now, especially considering how many, like, right-wing gay people there are. Yeah, but as... His buddy Douglas Murray As being they always do, the conservatives hold out and hold out and hold out and hold out on an issue, you know, any given issue uh, until they absolutely can't hold out anymore, and then they go, oh, no, we were mm -hmm. always in favour of that. Don't call us right wing. Uh, and even on a micro scale, this is this IDW group does that so yeah. much, or even Sam does that so much. Just recently in his stupid um, podcast that he put out, where he's like, oh, "I'm handing in my imaginary IDW card," you know, it's like, "Shut <laughs> up! You put up with this shit. You propelled it. You posed in the fucking bushes yeah. for yeah. it." <laughs> You know, you did this very serious New York Times introductory profile piece, and now you're acting like, oh, it was always meant to be a joke. Like, okay, these guys are getting too embarrassing. Let me step away. Like, shut well, up. Whole, cynical that least, makes you look, Sam, honestly. God. Um, and his, his whole rejection is over the fact that, you know, so many of them 
you know, like the like the Eric and Brett Weinstein are kind of like, you know, well, Trump wasn't that bad. I mean, you know, Biden is going to be just mm-hmm. as bad in this kind of like defense of Trump. And they're kind of going, well, Trump wasn't Hitler. I mean, Trump was, you know, bad. Mm-hmm. He wasn't Hitler. No, but Sam is also right. at the same time saying Trump wasn't but, but Hitler. Sam, He's so confused. Sam is so anti-Trump for like just these like personal idiosyncratic reasons. Like he's just so opposed to Trump. Mm as a personality and he thinks like and, and mm. he thinks that that makes him like meaningfully you know anti-trump like the problem with trump is not he wears bronzer and he lies a lot the problem with trump is he activated an open <laughs> white supremacist movement which uh, are also people who listen no to no no podcast, no no you know? no white supremacy yeah. it's just fringe of the fringe what is that even can, can i tell you my favorite um, my favorite sam harris episode recently is the one where he had um, uh, Kathleen Ballou on. And Kathleen Ballou wrote a book called oh, yeah. uh, Bring the War Home. And Kathleen Ballou is um, one of the like premier scholars of like the white nationalist movement. And she explains to him, in no uncertain terms, exactly where this movement comes from and yeah. how it is activated by Trump and how, how the history of it is built into the system of, of white supremacy as a system, not as a set of personal mm. belief structures. And she goes through this in... Like, it's excruciating detail, right? And gives mm-hmm. a brilliant interview to, the, to to Sam Harris. And Sam Harris, <laughs> A, he doesn't understand why she keeps using the word white supremacy because he can only see that as a guy in a clan hood, right? He doesn't, he doesn't yeah. understand it at all. He is such a cartoon. And even My God. Counters, he, after the interview is over, he records a segment, as he is wont to do, he records a yep. segment in which he's like, well, it turns out that Kathleen Blue was a little more woke than I thought she was going to be. <laughs> and she, I think she's I think she's uh, rather confused about the nature of white supremacy. And it's like, she's one of the foremost experts. She's at Harvard. You brought yeah. her on because she had the academic you credentials that yes. you respected. Maybe listen. <laughs> Again, though, that's just such an asshole-ish thing to do. I can't. Yeah. Not even the first yeah. time. Well, no, I know from I know that from listening to your show about him. <laughs> multiple people that he's called on as experts on white supremacy and when they've said oh yeah it's bad he's like actually they're too woke <laughs> it's just such an <laughs> asshole thing like, i used to have a little podcast where i interviewed people and you know i'm ve- very i'm minuscule like i'm nothing my, my old podcast used to get a couple of hundred downloads you know and it wasn't like world experts hmm. and book writers on this and that. it was just people i knew online i would never have dreamt in a million years of like putting my own little extra bit on the end after the discussion where i say actually so and so is wrong about this that and the other that's just unbelievable <laughs> You know I'm going to do that at the end of this one, right? <laughs> Actually, Jack and Daniel are far too woke for me. I am supremely rational and uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it just happens too many times. That this yeah, so to go back to the you you think he's not doing it on purpose like how does he keep doing this? Like with Lauren Southern, she's just a conservative journalist. Milo, Milo is too flamboyant to be far right. I think he has this like very specific kind of idea in his head. And I think like, I, I guess it's clearer with someone like Charles Burry, who he brings on and who he says, again, in the Esther Klein interview, he says over and over like, I'm not I'm not supporting Charles Murray's social policies. I'm treating Charles Murray's like use of the science separate from his pronouncements about social policy, which is complete nonsense Mm. because, A, 
in the full episode that he did with Charles Murray, which again I re-listened to this week, so I speak with yeah. some authority on yeah. this. Um, when Charles Murray is describing what he, the kinds of social policy that he wants to enact, which to be clear, he does want to do something like a UBI, which will be funded at something like twelve hundred dollars mm. per person per month, but use that as a way, as all these right libertarian shitheads want to do, as cutting yes. all other social welfare spending everywhere. And so yes. essentially it's like you don't get food stamps. You don't get um, – I mean it's unclear exactly what the limits of this are. But essentially it's like we're going to give you $1,200 a month, and that's going to force you to behave better, to behave in a way that I think you should, and we're going to cut like social welfare spending. So it ends up being a way of immiserating the work. And it will also be according to your skull shape, right? <laughs> like, well, you know uh, – <laughs> I think I think this what you're describing is what Eric Weinstein has called hyper socialism or was it hyper capitalism? I can't remember. <laughs> Ultra capitalism. I don't remember exactly. What is with that guy and wanting to create these nonsense terms? What is with him? Isn't there even a new one after the disc and the gen? There was a I forget what it was. Did you know about incons? Incons. Oh, like yeah. incels. That's fantastic. In, like involuntary. Involuntary conservatives. Involuntary which conservatives. Which is the Matt Boris cartoon of like, you know, like, you're the one making <laughs> yeah. me do this. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be a Nazi. Yeah. You're the one making me. Yeah. But again, it's just the old canard repackaged. Yeah, always. So, yes. So what has sort of interested you in this group? When you're usually like wallowing around in much more blatant, open, disgusting Naziness, um, why these sophisticated intellectual men? Oh, <laughs> um, you know, for one thing, I think that uh, particularly, you know, in the last like year or so, um, and I've said this before in a couple of places, um, you know, when you look at, for instance, the 2016 election cycle. Um, you saw memes coming from this incredibly far right space. Um, the word conservative, for instance, if you, if you remember that, mm. um, that that was bandied about like it was sort of born in like kind of the, the, the depths of 4chan. And then it got kind of transferred into the uh, TRS forums. And that's the right stuff. Radio Network. These are um, mm. these are overt Nazis. These are the guys who do the Daily Show a podcast, among among others. Um, who were highly, highly influential. And then they pushed that idea into uh, kind of mainstream Twitter before they all got banned from Twitter. And they had this, and so so you saw like, you could you could point to like, these super, super far right spaces were actually being able to push ideas into the mainstream through social media. Um, and you saw that all through 2015, 2016, to 2017, and then, you know, kind of after Unite the Right, um, the whole, you know, and that's the, uh, that's the event in Charlottesville, Virginia, in which the Tiki Torch-wielding Nazis uh, killed uh, a young uh, counter-protester. Where so many new atheists insist that, you know, Trump did sufficiently denounce the Nazis and the left lies, and actually there were very fine people on both sides. Right. Do continue, though. Yeah, sure, no, <laughs> absolutely. But the idea that um, they had a, a real ability to sort of push ideas into the mainstream while they were still on social media, right? But over the last couple of years, you know, I'm still following these guys because it's important, and I'm following the ideas and kind of like understanding how they're processing events. 
but they don't have nearly the same ability to really kind of push things into the mainstream in the same way. And what I noticed was that instead, you know, like my YouTube recommendations, because I'm always kind of looking for the furthest right material on YouTube, and my YouTube recommendations <laughs> started to become more like IDW focused, more, you know, more, more of this kind of stuff. Very interesting. Right. And I started seeing like in particular this kind of like the idea that that the, the, the struggle session idea that uh, Quillette was kind of going with that, that um, these these kind of corporate events of uh, trying to understand the nature of systemic racism and the way that it might play in your own personal attitudes towards the people around you. And maybe you should question those things was equivalent to the struggle sessions in Maoist China um, and using like those kinds uh. of words. And those are things that came directly from Brett Weinstein talking on Joe Rogan and on Tucker, Carl Tucker Carlson after the events at Evergreen in 2017. Right? <laughs> like this hmm. is, this is a very, um, this is a very kind of direct reference. And so when I started seeing those kinds of ideas being pushed from the scale, ultimately the IDW, despite their much more mainstream acceptance than the guys who make the Daily Show a podcast, um, they are still fairly fringe. They're not really kind of getting, you know, you're not seeing like Eric Weinstein on like MSNBC every night talking about, you know, what he sees of the Trump administration or whatever. Like he doesn't have yeah. that level of access. No, well, the but, disc is keeping him out. Uh, but Sam, Sam does. He won't maybe go on every night, but he yeah, certainly does have that level of access. And Ruben, too, like, okay, maybe not MSNBC, but he's on Fox all right. the time, which is pretty mainstream. Right, right, right. And Peterson as well for a while. And Peterson was just a global superstar there for a minute. I mean, yeah, in, in no, fairness, I, a lot of his media appearances were couched in this controversial academic Jordan Peterson and some quite yes. confrontational interviews and stuff like that. But even so, I mean, the, the amount, of, yeah, he was he was one of the best-selling non-fiction authors in the world. There wasn't he? He was all over them. And the confrontational interviews just served as like fuel for people to be mad yeah. at the left, yeah. right? That was the main discourse, even like in the sort of liberal center that oh my god this kathy newman is ridiculous that's her name right kathy yeah newman? that's the infamous one isn't it and it was painful to watch some yeah. of these interviews because these people they're just sort of mainstream you know centrist journalists they don't they don't know how to handle this guy. they don't fully understand no. yeah what they're dealing with yeah exactly um but yeah so that's really interesting that your recommendations went <laughs> From Nazis, your YouTube recommendations went from Nazis to IDWers, and oh, and that's probably because a lot of the overt Nazis just got banned from the platform, and so yeah. like and the, mm. the the history. I did this with uh, the episode that I did with Becca Lewis. We kind of talked about kind of the YouTube mm. recommendation algorithm and the way it's yeah. changed. And like if you've been following the far right on YouTube for the last uh, couple of years, or I've been doing it for like four years now, but um, you know if you've been if you've been tracking this stuff. Uh, uh, on a kind of a day-to-day -day basis, um, you know, there have been like distinct shifts in the way that the YouTube algorithm just sort of recommends stuff, you know. Um, but it really started to become like a whole lot of uh, IDW kind of related content um, at a certain point. And particularly once I started actually clicking on it and watching it and started prepping like the Brett Weinstein episode and then the Eric Weinstein episodes, then suddenly it was like I got like Coleman Hughes and I got like a whole bunch of like these mm. kind of like lesser figures. And now, now like if I go and open up my YouTube, the tier it's, two. It's all that. Mm. Actually, right now it's all like uh, Tim Pool because like once you start watching Tim <laughs> Pool, you just get more Tim Pool apparently. <laughs> you know, um, there's always more. Yeah. 
it's interestingly it's interesting. after watching it's kind an of an idw video like the next video that we queue would usually be another idw video but if i watch a tim pool video the next episode that queues automatically is usually a fox news segment which is uh, uh, really interesting that's very interesting <laughs> no i mean i think youtube joining it up is really interesting because uh, as we've noted a lot you know several of the key figures in the in the idwa the idw are former new atheist types i mean Shermer and and harris particularly and i think youtube played host to this uh i suppose in that sort of 2014 15 16 era it played host to a very strong um rising right-wing host of content creators didn't it that, that arose from uh youtube atheism you know um, yeah so for it to give over to this new idw material that's that's a very easy transition for it to make ideologically because they're related to each other and they have a lot of the same affect to them as well and and you know the the, yeah. the central aim of both being of course to to just relentlessly attack the left and and to attack muslims also to a great extent so many of these popular far right figures now that like you see them you know i've known them from the new atheist scene for more than half a decade now like andy no i remember when he was just like a rando like 200 follower twitter account that would always bug me for being anti Douglas Murray or be like, you know, but Muslim immigrants are dangerous and just look at where he is now. He's humongous as a figure, you know? It's just so disgusting to see where all these people's roots are, like in the atheist scene. And also, what's his name? Um James Lindsay. Fuck. That guy too. Well, apparently Brett Weinstein actually visited Andy No in the hospital after the milkshaking brain hemorrhage uh, event. Um, so uh -huh. um, he actually said that on, a, I think Andy No was the very first guest of Brett Weinstein's uh, Dark Horse podcast. Um, I'd have to go back and, and uh, check that just to be sure. Yeah. So, uh, and it happened like kind of around the same time as well. Like he was a, kind of a very early kind of person in that. And Andy No comes on and is like, I've had, I've had trouble like being able to uh, find things and understand things and my vision is blurred because i got hit in the head with a milkshake and i have a british accent now because that's the thing that happens <laughs> when you're hitting the head with a milkshake apparently uh, that's how i got mine <laughs> <laughs> is that what happens in britain <laughs> yeah that's right it, at a certain age everybody gets hit with a milkshake and that's why we all sound like this i imagine we don't that's really like a, talk about it generally but so it's a right sense I'm imagining like a Monty <laughs> Python segment in which like, you know, <laughs> babies are born in Britain and then like they're immediately just like hit in the face with a milkshake. <laughs> Sorry, that was only funny to me. Um, but you mentioned James Lindsay. And uh, just to just to put a pen in this, like, you know, we talked about kind of new atheism and the anti-creationist wars and the anti-intelligent design wars, and that connects us immediately to the Discovery Institute, right? Um, well, the Discovery Institute is now working alongside James Lindsay, these, like, religious conservatives pushing... The irony. Pushing the absolute design, irony. ...are now working alongside James Lindsay against the woke and against the far left. Right, and what are they framing it as? Like, some kind of 
separation of church and state, like separation of woke and state. It is so many levels of fucked up that they're working with creationists to um, demonize the left and frame it as some sort of healthy secularism? What? And not to not to put too fine a point in this as well, but and this is the thing that really starts to worry me. Like the figures that I follow are often like very tiny, irrelevant figures that have no like kind of actual pull outside of their own communities and in terms of social media. And like we follow them in order to keep them small so that people understand them and are able to oppose them in whatever way that they need to be opposed, right? That's perfectly fine. But historically, and particularly if we're looking back to say, oh, I don't know, to pick an example at random, 1930s Germany, um, the way that a certain political movement came into power was when the centrists in the government made a deal with the far right as a way of keeping the left from gaining power. And it's almost as if this is a pattern that repeats, and uh, Jack would have much more to say on this topic in terms of the actual uh, history. He's far more up on that than I am. But uh, this is a pattern that repeats, and this is the thing that um, I'm very worried in a Joe Biden administration, like exactly what who he chooses to ally with, because the fact that he's like going like, well, all you Bernie types, you get to kind of be like left on the back burner. We really need to embrace the hmm. moderate Republicans, like Paul Ryan, apparently. You know, like you know, yeah, yeah. Not Paul Ryan. He's he's been out of government for a while, but you get the idea, right? Yeah. I do get the idea, but I want to just be happy for <laughs> a few days about there being no more Trump. I think that's allowable. Yeah, we we can deal with this yeah, in January. Please. We can deal with this in January. Exactly. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, Jack is actually a Marxist, so you know, you know what those <laughs> Marxists are like. <laughs> a postmodern neo-Marxist. <laughs> Don't get me started on that one. That that is so <laughs> that is so incoherent. It's you know, I I, right, I can hear right. a, a hundred uh, university lecturers just laughing. <laughs> Yeah, and the guy who is a university lecturer who spouts this incoherence is the one that's getting famous, strangely. Absolutely. Which reminds me, you know, I've been watching this. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this do- this documentary about the Nexium cult um, called The Vow. Like, have you heard of I, this? I cult? know the I know the cults. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I haven't watched the uh, I haven't watched the documentary, but I, I'm aware of the cult. Yes. I heard of it mainly from when I was researching uh, our our friend Tim Pool, and I discovered that he'd given them a, 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 a members of the cult a glowing softball interview after it had already. Just unbelievable how much of this is like such a gross web of bullshit. But yeah, so this Nexium cult, there's so many little like pieces in that documentary that remind me of these like modern day like cult of personality sort of. Not necessarily religious, but like secular culty movements, right? There's like whiffs of Stefan Molyneux, bizarre gender stuff. And there's like whiffs of general IDW-ness where he's like, oh, we only look for like critical thinkers. And, you know, by joining us, uh, you're going to be thinking about things in such a unique and freeing way. Like this is the kind of stuff that that you believe when you're like oh, wow, this amazing new atheist content. I've been fed all these lies. Religion is true, you know, and you feel like you've come to this unique experience. And it was very scary for me. Like, obviously, the sex 
stuff, the sex cult stuff, hasn't happened that I'm aware of um, in terms of the rational movement or the new atheist movement. No one's been branded or anything. But just how reminiscent it is is terrifying to me because I already feel like I kind of left a cult but this makes me feel a little bit more like I left a cult and it's just disturbing well, it, yeah, to notice. There's, there's a precedent for these sorts of political ideas turning that way, isn't there? You only have to look at um, Ayn Rand and objectivism. Mm. Mm. Well, which Michael Schreber himself pointed out to great uh, disdain from a certain segment of his reading audience. And I think his first big book was uh, Why Do Smart People Believe Weird Things? I think that's the title of something like that. And he devotes a chapter of that to the sort of objectivist cult and like describes yeah. it accurately as this kind of weird culty phenomenon who you, know, you would think would be people who are interested in kind of rational thought and rational debate, but who actually, you know, sort of worship Ayn Rand and her, you know, kind of later acolytes as, uh, you know, prophets of some kind uh, and like will refer back to the words of Ayn Rand as if they have meaning like truth value outside of their uh, rhetorical value or their evidentiary value right mm. um, he says in that that he still subscribes to many of Ayn Rand's ideas and then he goes on to write yeah. he goes he? on to write a, a book I can't remember what it's called The Mind of the Market I think is what it's called that's the one and it's basically melding uh, social Darwinism and sociobiology with libertarianism uh. isn't it oh you know, uh, uh, Sharma was someone I have a, I had a lot of respect for for a long time. He wrote, um, I'd have to go back and reread it, but he wrote a, a pretty good book about kind of like the nature of Holocaust denial. Um, yeah. Why mm -hmm. do people uh, mm -hmm. deny the Holocaust? Um, and uh, you know, um, you know, again, I haven't reread that in a long time. But then he went on and uh, praised Stefan Molyneux as one of the greatest the finest podcasters for reason or something well and and of course also like, you know Shermer again just to reiterate this like very credibly accused of basically being a bill cosby in the new atheist scene so mm. when you're talking about sort of you know kind of sex cult and you know sexual abuse abuse of women etc i mean Shermer is really kind of the the, the test case for not that, to right? the extent of bill cosby <sighs> but like oh I, yeah so, from what i read like, like the allegations in the Shermer thing and so look we have to I'm going to say for myself, like, allegedly all over all of this, because there was never a court case. This has not been outright proven. But the idea that, you know, you ply, you ply women with drinks, maybe you put a little, like, something in the drink, and they kind of black out, and then they wake up and not quite knowing what's happened to them, that's not something that happens mm. once. Like, this is, this, is, this is something that you work your way up to and then, like, continually do. Again, we don't have any confirmation of this. But he's also been very friendly with the amazing atheist it has appeared on videos with the amazing atheist who has like similar um yeah. issues in terms of patterns of behavior regarding his sexual behavior oh really i didn't I know that one that, that's the youtuber guy yeah, i don't TJ think that tj has i i want to be clear i don't remember the details on this so again please uh you know like it's been a while since i've thought about these guys but i don't think that there's quite that level of like you know because TJ is not as famous as Michael Shermer. He doesn't get to go to uh, big like atheist events and like ply women with drinks. Um, but there have been allegations against TJ that I think sound really credible. And he's also someone who's very openly, uh, you know, like said very various things like, "I hope you drown in your rapists come," you know, yeah. sort of sort of thing. I mean, you know, wait, 
What? Yeah. yeah he he was having a rant about people, rape survivors, using the word survivor to describe themselves, I think. And uh, he was told off by a rape survivor. Uh, and he that's what he came back with. <gasps> oh, yeah. my God. Wow. On the subject of, so clearly I... On, have missed <laughs> yeah, that. Missed this, I have missed delightful. that whole yeah. guy. Thank goodness. I, I don't know much about him. Yeah. And, he he uh, was a huge deal in YouTube atheism. Uh, again, you know, paving the way, I think, for the IDW inflection on you. Yeah. yeah. Kevin uh, Kevin Logan did a very nice video about the Amazing Atheist, um, which uh, I could recommend. Oh yeah, I do. I do like his series. I've checked out some of it, and uh, he's been on the show too. So I I will look yeah. that up. But. Um, Randy also said something about Shermer, didn't he? James Randy, because he was quite friendly with him. And James Randy said something like, yeah, I've, I've heard that Shermer's been a naughty boy, but it's not violent, so it's fine. <sighs> yeah. Aww. You know, kill all your heroes, including us, by the way. So I love that we're kind of reaching this point of like where we're all just kind of like, oh, that's really awkward. That's really <laughs> terrible. What do we do? Oh. And uh, it is it is the thing where I do like joke around with people. And it's like, no, I don't speak German is the it is the darkest podcast in human history. Effectively, <laughs> it is, let's mine humor out of Nazis. That's literally what the. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, if you're rolling around in the Nazi content filth pile then uh, I, I bet it is but then you see even after coming from all that blatant nazism you see how disturbing even the polished up versions of this shit are right like even if someone isn't like a blatant nazi the fact that they're saying that the BLM protests are equivalent to Kristallnacht or whatever. Oh, like, yeah, Eric, Eric Weinstein. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was the moment I saw that, and I went like, "All right, time to do some episodes." <laughs> <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> that often happens. It's like, oh, you are now on my radar. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. We we have Daniel and I have this recurring thing where we're always chatting in the you know in the back channel, and uh, we'll get to, oh have you seen this that and the other have you seen what so and so said and you know there'll be a little pause and then another another message will pop up from Daniel and say yeah I've opened a file on him. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the non Nazis that you watch, who are the most concerning to you and why? Most concerning. Um... I mean, Eric Weinstein, because he's like personally employed by Peter Thiel, and Peter Thiel is a billionaire who had the ability to crush, you know, fairly large media organizations on a whim, effectively, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, there's. So even though he's not invited onto MSNBC nightly, he still kind of has the links and the connections to be very. Right, right. I mean, like both Weinstein brothers and um, uh, Brett's uh, wife, Heather Hying, um, uh, have you know, have had, you know, Heather Hying, I think, <laughs> I don't know, this is, it's funny, like, when you ask this question, it really does just kind of like, I'm just going to get myself into trouble. Um, you know, uh, I think I think Heather is kind of like the one of these people kind of in that space that I find the, like, least defensible on any level. For a wide variety of reasons, and like that could sound like I'm being misogynistic, um, except that I think that the work that I've done 
in this space to like expose Brett and Heather and the clips that I've played from them uh, on our show have, you know, would, I think, I think it is a reasonable conclusion to draw. Um, uh, but I do find her like in terms of like kind of the direct thing, she is much more willing to kind of be really openly transphobic. Um, and of course she's allowed to be because as a woman, she gets to um, go further than. No, I mean, right. you shouldn't get I'm, to I'm not as saying, a woman. I'm not but saying I... she should get to, I'm saying, Right, it's right. kind of a point of practice, right? Um, She's also very misogynistic. Oh. Like I read an article that she wrote, like misogynistic in general, like that that could have easily been written by an Islamist mullah, you know, where she was like, oh, what was it like about toxic femininity oh, or oh, something, yeah. something oh, like yeah. that. Mean, it was so bad, so beyond bad. Like women are enticing men, and then when they get their attention, then they won't let them touch or what? I don't even remember, but it was such bullshit. It was so horrifyingly bad and regressive and dangerous. And I think Sam Harris retweeted it. Like, I'm like, dude, why do you hate Islamists again when you're retweeting this shit? If you just put it in the right package for them, I think they don't actually mind some of the, some of the ideas. Right. I mean, no, it really no. is. It really is like you repackage it. And I mean, even among the kind of like the, the real kind of overt Nazis who like they are generally more on board with you know, kind of like uh, jihadist beliefs about women, like the ISIS beliefs about women. Mm -hmm. Actual national socialists, like genocidal in their ambitions, Nazis, will kind of look at sort of like ISIS propaganda and then reuse it for themselves. Like you see like very mm -hmm. clear kind of like groups, like militant um, groups like the base, despite the fact that the base, Al-Qaeda means the base in Arabic, the base did not name itself after Al-Qaeda. That much is true. That said, they did absolutely produce propaganda videos that were directly based on, like, ISIS videos. Like, they were oh, using really? the same kinds of, like, propaganda techniques. They, they learned from the way that ISIS did their thing, and they produced videos that looked very, like... Not shot for shot, but like very similar in terms of tone, except like oh there are a bunch gosh. of doughy white guys like kind of wandering around and like you know with with what looked like airsoft guns, but you know like you know they were doing uh you know kind of similar things in terms of trying to recruit. They used that same thing. Plenty of like the absolute far right like terrorist themed Nazi groups that I've been following for the last few years will actually derive a lot of like strength from like what they want is essentially. America as ISIS, you know, they want those kinds of social structures around like gay people and trans people and women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so yeah. they'd use that same language of like, well, you know, that's like a real civilization. That's a civilization taking itself seriously. You see, that's a civilization that really like understands what it means to be strong versus weak, et cetera, et cetera. And then you get right back to Douglas Murray saying the same thing, you know, in a and, Jordan and Jordan Peterson, Peterson. saying that feminists, crave what crave masculine men or crave touch or i don't know what uh, what he said but it was something along those lines can't remember the exact words but it was like feminists 
Uh, what what is it they want to be dominated yeah, yeah. by manly again, men? Again, again, it's just it's always the same with these people. It's the it's the old canards repackaged in pseudo intellectual language. With Sam Harris, it's how can I be racist when I've got a black friend? How come black people are allowed to say the n word <laughs> repackaged in pseudo intellectual language? With Jordan Peterson, it's oh well, feminists just need a good dicking. That's <laughs> it's the same shit that your grandpa used to say, just repackaged. Right, your bigoted grandparents. Yeah. I've said what these guys say, and they've put it out in the world for yeah, free. It's so fucking vapid. <laughs> but there's a huge market for it, couched in this different aesthetic. It's so sad. It's so sad. Like, how many people fall yeah. for this shit, and how many people feel like they're special for falling for this shit? Like, after Sam Harris is um, handing in my IDW card because uh, it's starting to look real bad on me episode um there was people like in his comments like possibly the most sensible man on earth and oh this is so poetic and oh my god like they were just like coming basically from this nonsense and it's just uh, i don't even know what wasn't to say, there a guy really. that got a sam harris tattoo he had a sam he had sam <laughs> harris's face tattooed on him there are a few. Just look at it. Don't actually don't Google that. <laughs> like at what point do you think I admire this man because he's a fiercely independent, free thinking, rational skeptic. Oh, he's not, but that's what they think. So I'm going to get his yeah. face tattooed on my epidermis. I mean, what the. F <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's so free thinking that there are like, I don't know how many right wing intellectuals spouting the same yeah. nonsense yeah. To, to varying degrees. Like, absolutely. Well, and it's unbelievable. Oh. Like I mentioned that like he brings Kathleen Ballou on his show and then like afterwards has to kind of go, well, I, you know, she's a little bit woke for me. And so you know, he has to kind of like distance himself and kind of dust himself off for his audience. But then like he brings Andrew Sullivan on and there's no like apologies for like the support for the Iraq war, the decades. No, no, he likes right. him though. You see, they are united in there. Jonathan Haidt on a number of occasions, and Jonathan Haidt is literally quoted <laughs> in terms of his a lot of his like earlier work is quoted by the overt Nazis. Like Richard Spencer will quote Jonathan Haidt as like a justification for what for Richard Spencer's larger political project. <laughs> You know, and there's no sense of like, I need to distance myself from him, you know, like Sam Harris will say, and I think you pointed this out on Woking Up, is that Sam Harris will say, I will take a good idea from even the worst people that are out there. I will take a good idea right, from terrible right. people. And yet, when you look at the people who are actually invited on the show, like he says, like, I won't bring an Ibrahim Ken Kendi on the show. I won't bring, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, an actual, like, kind of anyone even remotely on the left. And, like, can you imagine, like, Bernie Sanders on, like, Sam Harris's show? Or, like, AOC? Please, or, no. I mean, I'm not saying they should do no. it. I'm just saying, like, there are people, like, who are meaningfully on the left who could make a meaningful case for a woke socialism, for, you know, some... But he hates AOC so much. <laughs> right. He does. Clearly, like, but that's the point, right? Like, he claims to be like. But yeah, he's not in it for the difficult conversations, a, the challenging I'm a conversations. At all. trying to have like a reasonable conversation and no ideas off the table until it has been like rationally considered, except for the idea that like, mm -hmm. hey, maybe, um, maybe there shouldn't be poor people anymore. Maybe there shouldn't. Be poor except yeah. for the no, except for any idea that's on the right. left yeah. of Douglas yeah. Murray. And again, he announced he calls, he calls Ezra Klein just to be just to, just for your audience. <laughs> who may, 
Ezra Klein Far is left. just as bigoted as the Ku Klux Klan, but in the other direction. That Sam Harris is like stated in multiple. Yeah, he basically said that uh, he has the intellectual integrity of the KKK. Right. Yeah. And Ezra like, Klein is a very like kind of like wonkish center left person, and I have deep problems with Ezra Klein from yeah. the left. Just to be clear about. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No oh, good. but Ezra Klein is who Sam Harris thinks is far left, like ridiculous wokeness. And just, just to be clear, yeah. Ezra Klein. They're also worried about Kamala Harris being like an avatar of wokeness, yeah, by the, the way. former prosecutor who put trans people and yeah. trans women in men's prisons. So like, yeah, that, that, you know, that person is going to be like the avatar of wokeness, right? You know, and just, just again, just to state this, like Ezra Klein I listen to Ezra Klein's podcast. He's the way that I keep up with like neoliberal wonkishness. Like, you know, cause I do try to keep like a whole lot of political positions in my head at any given time to understand how like this stuff works. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I apologize. I mean, I enjoy some of oh, those no, I do. I do too. Some I think, of them are. I think there yeah. is some, some, some great stuff in there. I think there's a lot of bullshit, but I think there's some great stuff. Yeah. And, um, he actually does the thing that Sam Harris pretends he does and like kind of bring on people from a wide variety of political positions. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, he actually does have meaningful conversations with people. Um, the late Michael Brooks, uh, who I know has been on the show and mm-hmm. does, did the exact same thing. And, it, you know, he would bring on people yeah. from various political persuasions that have like detailed political conversations about real issues and come to some kind of meaningful dialogue. Whereas Sam Harris brings on some like, far right dipshit. They beat up on the left for a while, and then it's like, yeah, isn't it great that we're like reasonable centrists here? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, anyone who isn't a far right dipshit, there has to be a special segment recorded saying they're too right, woke, right. Um, or a full fledged falling out like with Christian Picciolini. Like, imagine that being the hill you want to die on, where. Defending Stefan Molyneux's honor was so important because you not only edited out his comments, but your own criticisms of Molyneux, too. Right. Yeah, and, and just for the audience who may not be aware, like uh, they did a live show. Christian Piccolini did a live show with Sam Harris and described um, Stefan Molyneux as a Holocaust denier. Uh, he said he toes the line okay. to Holocaust I, I denial. To so episode. he was a bit more nuanced I listened than that, to that yeah. episode, but then did, wasn't archiving Sam Harris at the time, so I didn't get to go back after he yeah. deleted it and listen to the original thing. That's why I'm now archiving Sam Harris. Um, <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, so, so you know, the, I have not heard you know, uh, Stefan Molyneux kind of directly do, like, actual, like, 1940s Holocaust denial. But Stefan Molyneux definitely, like, you know, denies uh, large elements of, for instance, like, the genocide of Native Americans in the, on the American continent. Yeah. I mean, he is, yeah. he is a genocide denier. No, but even in terms of the Holocaust, he said things like, you know, he blamed it on the communists or something, He's, like... A reaction to He's definitely kind of playing some kind of subtle games around like Polish nationalism, 40s, which is what know? which is what he was saying. Picciolini was saying that he toes a line, like you know, Holocaust denial isn't always just like yeah, it never happened. You right. know, there's different degrees to it, right? Like different sort of word games that people play where they're trying to still be accepted in 
mainstream society while still pushing the idea that it was actually a reasonable reaction or, yeah, you know, like yeah. really disgusting things like that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it, there's, there's, there's scholarship as well. There's sort of a re- trend of revisionist scholarship, um, in Germany, particularly, but not just in Germany, um, which which did exactly that sort of thing in in again pseudo intellectual pseudo historical language, people like Ernst mm-hmm. Nolte, people like that, um, uh, from which you know actual Holocaust deniers of various types have taken a lot of um, a, a lot of sucker, um, and then you have people like uh, uh, Irving, you know, who of course uh, outright mm-hmm. falsifier and and liar, falsifier of history, Holocaust denier, but he couched it for a long time. He got away with it because he couched mm-hmm. it in terms of apparently respectable history. And I think you, that point about there being all sorts of points on the spectrum and, and all sorts of different lines, as it were, that people inhabit and word games that they play, that's really a good key here because I think that's what we see. You, you asked earlier why we switched from just recently for a few episodes we started talking about idw types we've done an episode about mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. both the weinstein uh, steins we've done an episode about tim pool etc etc there will um, be a james Lindsay episode you know fairly shortly and then some of that so-called squared stuff as well i'm i'm in prep on that by the way just excellent. oh yeah. that should be interesting and terrifying and it's just sad I, sh- I should say the choice of subjects is Daniel's. Daniel's the guy who, you know, he, he decides on the subject matter. He tells me and I say, right, OK, good. I, I'm very much the Eugene Savarini to his Mark Zuckerberg. Um, but he's yeah, I think it's always been our position, hasn't it, Daniel, that this is a spectrum of people. Mm. And right there's right. There's an ecology of reactionary politics mm-hmm. and it goes right the way across from people on the on the far right the people that harris calls the fringe of the fringe you know the people that we we generally stick to mainly talking about the the uh, right stuff people and uh, the uh, stormfront people etc and it it's it's on it's there's no hard and fast dividing lines it's on a spectrum and what you find is that people further along the line towards the you know away from that towards the mainstream they will have an appearance of more respectability, more mainstream acceptability. And to a huge extent, it's just aesthetic. It's just because they present themselves in a different way and they don't, they don't use slurs and they don't quite come out and say it. They will nibble around the edges of these ideas mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and right, mm-hmm. the, right, right the way across to people like Sam Harris and, and Jordan Peterson, etc. And again, we, we, we're always very careful to stress when we do these episodes we're, we're not saying these people are Nazis. Sam Harris is not a Nazi. Mm-hmm. He said that. It was kind of the, mm-hmm. the title of our podcast about him. And it's true. He's not. Absolutely <laughs> right. And the, no, he definitely and the Weinsteins isn't. are not Nazis. We're not Tim Pool's not a Nazi. We're not saying that. What we are saying is Tim Pool does uh, hang out with a lot more Nazis than someone who isn't a Nazi it, should be hanging Tim out Pool's, with, just to be clear. Yeah, but, Tim know, Pool's but, an edge case. He's a bit of a fascist. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, but this is the point. It is. There's all sorts of subtle gradations. And that's not to say, well, you have to be nuanced and you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. No. What what you have to do is view the whole thing, the whole picture, and see these people as this 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 long ecology uh, with with lots of different niches and spaces in it. It's like like a market, really. Like a marketplace of ideas. Yeah, a marketplace of ideas. Yeah, which is kind of a, uh, to me, it's kind <laughs> of an inherently poisonous idea. But it's kind of what they've built on on the on the, uh, the the business end of the of the right, you know. And it is very much a business as well. They're all supplying to different customers who want a slightly different flavor 
flavor a slightly different aesthetic and they the same ideas go round and round around these people and they they will water them down for one audience they will turn them up to 11 for a different audience yeah they feed off each yes. other because one point on the spectrum can always point to another point and say well he's the real fascist he's the real nazi he's the real extremist i'm not i'm in the center that's the mm-hmm. grift for a lot of them yeah. And that's also why they try so hard to say basically nothing is racist until it's like someone saying the N-word on tape or like basically wearing a Klan hood. Because if you understand that racism is a spectrum too and that you don't have to be a grand wizard in the KKK to be a racist, then that includes a lot more people which they do not want yeah and and they can they can peddle the same sorts of ideas and and propagate them and popularize them um under this guise of respectability you know you can you can peddle islamophobia all you like as long as you say well i'm not an islamophobe i I, there are genuine islamophobes and i despise those people or you know for for whatever Mm -hmm. type of bigotry you're trying to peddle you can peddle the watered down version and you can point to the people over there saying it outright as the real bigots i'm not a bigot i don't think that way i won't have anything to do with those people and sam harris is a very good example of a sophisticated operator in this respect because he does this thing where he talks about Mm -hmm. you know what i don't like is identity politics so i don't like the identity politics on the left but i also don't like the Mm -hmm. the right or white identity politics which is the the far right that's that's a that's that's a clever rhetorical strategy but that's all it is a triangulation yeah yeah that's spot on and the way that he flattens it all out you know often doesn't make a distinction between people actually fighting for their rights um because they're being judged on their identity and people fighting to oppress other people based on their identity to to even compare the two things it's like you're giving you're automatically giving whether you're admitting you're doing this you're giving ground to the claims of fascists and white supremacists that they are oppressed on the grounds of being white you're you're automatically seeding them that point even if you're not admitting you're doing it so there immediately well, and when you look at the way that people kind of get into this material, like people don't like find the Daily Show up because they're just kind of wandering around somewhere, you know, like, <laughs> no. you know, it's it's a process, right? You start off with, you know, you're watching Sam Harris and Sam Harris brings on uh, Charles Murray or Douglas Murray and they're kind of talking about Muslims and they're talking about IQ or whatever. And then, you know, gradually you kind of... And then Douglas Murray's book is recommended by Generation by Identity. Generation Identity. In their book yeah, no, absolutely. And then, like, you're kind of wandering around on YouTube and maybe you find, uh, I don't... I don't know how comfortable you are with me like naming a bunch of these places, but you know, you find JF Gary Epi, you find Stefan Molyneux, you find uh, some of these kind of other things, and then it turns out that they might bring on a guest who's, uh, oh, I don't have a YouTube channel because I've been banned from YouTube, and it's like, oh, that sounds like risky and exciting. What 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 does that person have to say? And then gradually you find these kind of further and further right things who are pushing a more pure version of the thing that you already be- or that you already kind of like want mm. to believe right and mm. like as you kind of fall down that process um, you get further and further away from any kind of person who can uh, provide the counterbalance to that because all this stuff has like 
arguments against it. Like, they, like the right likes to pretend like, oh, no one wants to debate us because they can't handle our ideas. It's like, no, like 10 seconds of Googling, like basic fact-checking will like defeat you utterly in 10 yeah. seconds, except you have this enormous kind of rhetorical technique and gish gallop and all this sort of thing. Like, it's mm. it's complete nonsense. You Anybody who looks into these issues at all will find that, like, you're completely full of shit. But you get further and further down that line, and... Um, Eventually, you find yourself in this, you know, super far right place. But the structure of the argumentation often doesn't change very much. It's actually once you <laughs> learn to listen to these guys, uh, ask me how I know. It's not hard <laughs> to actually determine how they actually feel about situations and what yeah. is it is not a joke. Um, but to get well, their, to, their definition of good data is data that supports my case. Their definition of bad data <laughs> is data that goes against it. Which now is you get it. Very, very skepticism. Yeah. Much rational. Well done. <laughs> and guys. so, and so, when a right winger wants to laugh about like how terrible transgender people are, well, I may not dis- I may not agree with hundred percent, but they've been maybe maybe some trans person looked at them wrong in a, in a bathroom somewhere maybe they just they just feel personally hurt and we need to empathize and understand and and then of course the leftists uh, the far left the radical left regressive left who think that maybe charles murray whose book directly led to the immiseration of welfare policies in the united states in the mid 90s um should not be platformed as an intellectual worth paying attention to um those people are just like radical lefties who just want to shut down. They're faith, irredeemable. irredeemable. Who have no uh, point at all to, to anything they have to say. Um, yeah. And that's kind of the, the point of, you know, that's kind of the point here is that, like, you know, we have to, the point of the IDW is to punch left, right? And, like, as someone on the left, <laughs> I don't like to be punched. So I'm going to punch back mm-hmm. and I'm going to point out the nonsense that they spew. You know, like, that's the idea. How dare you? Because when you pointed out that is rude and lies and mental illness and just, you know, hysteria, but when they do it, it's rational and just looking at the facts and evidence and critical thinking. And, yeah. Yeah. Those are the rules. (laughs) That's right. But it's it's worth it's worth saying mm-hmm. Sam Harris is I mean as, as I said it was kind of Sam Harris who shook me out of my flirtation with with the the something like the New Atheist movement back in the day and it was it was it was I mean I can point you to specific lines that are burned into my memory like there's a line in Letter to a Christian mm-hmm. Nation where he says the only people telling the truth or understanding properly whatever it was about um, Muslim immigration into Europe fascists. are fascists now he now he 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 puts a, a smart caveat into there where he says that's not a healthy situation so he's saying you know it it's not good that the only people talking sense about it Mm -hmm. are fascists because fascists are bad but it's still a huge fucking warning sign Mm -hmm. because he's he's ceded the argument to the to the fascists now and then the other one that always 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 remember is the end of faith um I mean, it starts with an outrageous move where he gives a, an anecdotal account of, a, of an intercepted suicide bomber saying, oh, it was nothing to do with oppression or, or imperialism. I just wanted to be a martyr. Well, that's OK. Maybe there's an anecdote there where, where one person did that. 
the sociology about right. suicide bombing is very complex, but we know it's not that simple. We know it's embedded in the con- a historical political context of of world politics and imperialism and, and repressive government and stuff like that. We know that. You can't refute that with an anecdote. And then he gets into it and he gets into his extended sort of bashing of Chomsky, uh, which is kind of a rite of passage for anybody who wants to be a respectable mainstream intellectual. <laughs> and he, mm-hmm. there's a line where he's saying, oh, you know, for all the issues going, that we would have with Chomsky, just to be clear. <laughs> sure, sure. But he, he's talking about Chomsky and he says, well, he's talking about Chomsky's account of U.S. imperialism. And he says um, of, of America's conduct in, in, in the world, no doubt we have much to apologize for. And that's just burned into my brain because the fucking glibness mm. of that, you know. <laughs> but let's get past yeah. all that and well, that's it. Uh, that's, talk about what I exactly, want to talk about. That's the point. All that stuff can just be batted away with a with a just no doubt we have much to apologize for and that's it that's that's all of it that's the coup in iran that's hiroshima that's everything you you might want to talk about that's uh, you know helping pinochet take power that's helping suharto take power that's all of that just wash down the drain no doubt. yeah i mean sure we've got lots to apologize for but and then it's all just gone all, all that but, historical yeah. all the Americas, all of Central and South America. But like with Ezra Klein, and he he does it repeatedly, where he basically says history doesn't matter, right? The context doesn't matter, and it, we have to talk about what he wants to talk about on his yeah. terms. Priority Other, is left bashing to a huge extent. Oh, 100%. You can even see that in his like takes right after the election, which I'm working on a Woking Up 3, which is like analyzing his journey through the election like before and during and after and it's uh, quite an interesting mm. ride it's like with aoc's recent tweet right he where she said is anyone kind of keeping track of i think she's talking about people working with trump that are his enablers um kind of keeping track of what they've said and their tweets and stuff before they delete a bunch of stuff right and he interprets this as she's encouraging pe- like vengeance and for people to keep a list of anyone that's ever supported trump in any capacity ever it is such a lie like i don't have the tweet in front of me but um and this is this is a completely bog standard right wing talking point around this thing yeah. um yeah. again brett and heather did a I think they did about 15 minutes talking about this tweet and how terrible it was and how can't we have like reasonable disagreements and Trump isn't that bad. Sorry, Brett and Heather are kind of my like uh, IDW focus right now. Those are the ones that I've really, you know, like <laughs> the anti-vax biologists. Well, yeah. Just to kind of like highlight uh, something we were, we were kind of referencing there uh, kind of a little bit earlier is um, Brett and Heather have been uh, fully engaged with, um, because they live, they, they they live in Portland, and so they've been really engaged with sort of the Portland protest, and um, you know, demonizing the protesters as as being this violent mob who's just out to destroy society with their wokeness and their Black Lives Matter, and you know, all this sort of thing, and reading from you know, like uh, you know, false, uh, falsely applying bad ideas from Václav Havel, and you know, this sort of thing. Anyway, there's a lot I could say about Brett and Heather. <laughs> let's put it that way. But like one of the things that they come back to over and over again is this idea that um well look the protesters they just need to be put down they need they need to be stopped like now uh, using whatever techniques are necessary and when you think about how chilling that it like what they're actually calling for and their very reasonable and measured way 
and they're very kind of reasonable like we just want to have like real conversations about the issues but there are these certain class of people they just cannot be reasoned with they want to defund the police and what does that mean and there's no way for me to ever possibly know what defund yeah the police just don't look into that mean. ever <laughs> and what prison abolition it's not like there's a century and a half of uh, of uh, writing on this subject. Defund the police means that the left wants murderers to be set free and basically running things. They just, don't want, you to, know? They just want to destroy society. That's all they mean. That's all that defund the police means. We need the police. What, do you, what can you possibly mean? And so ultimately what they run into is what we have to do is get the police, the federal troops, whatever it takes, some adult, some individual strong person with a will to do so needs to come in and just put down these leftist organizers who are trying to enact social change that I find distasteful and I will ally myself. So wait, what do they want done? Like how do they want them stopped? This is sounding very concerning. You know, like this is sounding almost like, I mean, imagine like, what kind of force it would take to put down pro- a protest group. What Did they say the words put down? I don't think they say put down, but they will very overtly in many places say that these people, meaning the Portland protesters, need to be stopped. This has to stop now. And the police need to come in and use essentially whatever force they need to do in order to make it stop. And the reality is that the Portland police are going about as far as they possibly can without actively opening fire on protesters. Like the amount of tear gas that has been zooted over the city of Portland over the last few months has literally been visible from space. And it is on the, it is on the, and I speak for myself here. I am not going to ask you to sign on to this completely, Ina or Jack. It is the heroism of the protesters in that place actually fighting against this oppressive horrible system that they have been able to withstand the active oppression of the state and in this matter brett and heather and the idw more broadly are standing alongside the police state against the protesters being tear gassed and being murdered and being assaulted night after night after night after wasn't Sam like saying that when you see like Antifa do these horrible things and I think like the example that he used was like something that was cut out of context where he said like oh they hit an old man but it turned out like this old man had a machete or something like that I think it was like several oh, yeah, months no. ago I mean, so he, I don't remember he, the exact there was, there was an example of um, this old man who got assaulted by Antifa and it turns out that the old man A had a uh, retractable baton which only came out a day later when more footage and more photos were found of the incident. Um, and B uh, was actually a member of uh, one of these kind of far right. I can't remember if it was a militia group or an active white nationalist group. Um, I'd have to find the exact quote and then I could probably find the documentation. But yeah, like um, they will accept Andy knows lies about Antifa as God's yeah, given truth. Basically. But yeah, so Sam in that clip said something like um, he was basically cheering the far right. He's like, you you kind of hope for the far right to show up and so that these guys will have to deal with real Nazis. And you kind of hope for the state to be as authoritarian as possible. Like, 
He literally said stuff like right. that. So. Well, no one has dealt with more uh, Nazis than Sam Harris, don't you understand? Sam Harris is really <laughs> is really the one doing the real work because there was this one time he tweeted at the world's racists about Neanderthal DNA. That <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, be quiet. We're not allowed to talk about that Neanderthal no, DNA. No, we're, we're not. We can't even talk about Neanderthal <laughs> DNA anymore. It's such a loss. <laughs> and I could also point you to like many, many examples of the world's racists who uh, Sam Harris thinks he got a big on on. Uh, literally, what they do with that data once they find out that, like, oh, it turns out that European uh, European uh, people dis- descended from um, people who migrated to Europe uh, forty thousand years ago have Neanderthal uh, DNA in their sequences and versus people in Africa who don't, it turns out, no, that's actually what makes us great. Neanderthal DNA, that's clearly the thing that led to the greatness <laughs> of European society. We white people the greatness of the white Neanderthal race. and the, the Africans, the, the <laughs> savages, don't. And that's clearly, and again, I could point you to many, many examples of this, you know, which a simple Google search would reveal if Sam Harris chose to learn it. And he still touts that as something of like, I owned the world's racist by tweeting that one time. Also, uh, Charles Murray <laughs> is really misunderstood and we need to listen to him on all matters, scientific and cultural. You know, like. Yes. And, uh, you know, going back to how we were talking about how this is like a, ecosystem right like a, a spectrum and another thing mm. to mention with that is that it's 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 not just a pipeline or or a rabbit hole it's also kind of a net and it catches people at, mm-hmm. at every point you know they don't necessarily go to the center of the net but they get caught along so you might you know you might shy away from the outright the, the far right the outright nazis that you're being funneled towards to a certain extent but you're not going to then sort of leave the net you're going to get caught at a further up point so you're gonna you, you you're not gonna end up with uh, the, uh, the the right stuff and mike enoch and and stormfront and people like that but you're going to end up an avid follower of tim pool or andy Nyo or dave rubin interview giving softball interviews to people like lauren southern pushing the great replacement which is just the white genocide mm-hmm. conspiracy theory couched in aesthetically different terms so or when he had Stefan yeah. Molyneux on to discuss the differences between what was it like black skulls oh. and white skulls or black brains and white brains. And then he changed the um, thumbnail because the, of his YouTube video where it said like race and IQ on uh, Stefan Molyneux segment on Ruben's show. But now I think the thumbnail has been changed to the controversy or controversies <laughs> Which, or something again, like that. Again, going back to like late 90s, early 2000s culture wars around stuff like intelligent design. What's that if it's not teach the controversy? It's the same technique, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And you just know that in Weimar Germany during the rise of uh, the Nazis and Hitler, it wasn't just the people that were on the streets with, with the Nazis. It was loads of these people, these exact people saying, well, I don't approve of Hitler. and I don't agree with the Nazis. Just asking questions. Exactly. Types, well, I don't mean? agree with the Nazis about X, Y, and Z. But, you know, they do raise some questions. I mean, aren't there too many Jews <laughs> in the culture industry? It's a... <laughs> And and just regarding like uh, uh, transphobia and you know, and that sort of thing, which I know I've come back to a couple of times, and like I don't try to speak for trans people, but I do like highlight this issue because it is such a wedge among the far right. Like 
the episode that I did, I think it's episode 52, um, which was uh, Transphobia and the Right Stuff, which I played a bunch of the uh, clips of, um, you know, Mike Enoch and his pals, uh, literally praising the street thugs, the Nazi street thugs who beat Magnus Hirschfeld in the street. And Magnus yeah. Hirschfeld was a uh, one of the early scientists working and doctors working to um, uh, actually help trans people to transition and did a ton of uh, amazing research uh, into, uh, into these issues at the Institute for Sexuality Research. And uh, when you see the photos of the book burnings in Germany in the 30s, um, it was those books. It was his books. It was his institute that was burned. That's a, that's mm. that that's actually what was done. And the absolute far right, the literal Nazis, the literal anti-Semite Holocaust deniers, whom I have spent thousands of hours tracking at this point, uh, want to use the transphobia of the center right, and you know, people on the you know like. Oh yeah, I'm just a reasonable person. I'm just asking questions about like, well, medical transition mm -hmm. should work. It should be be giving hormones to children. No mm -hmm. one is giving hormones to children. It's like anyway. Um, but it's want to use happening. that disgust. Want to use that culturally ingrained disgust. They don't want to empathize with the trans people. They want to use that disgust that people have as a wedge, as a way of getting into their politics mm -hmm. and infecting them with even further right, overtly genocidal ideology. Mm -hmm. And so... And when you see it in the context of history, like it's far scarier than just the pieces you're seeing right now happening, yeah. right? Like, if you're only seeing Sam Harris, or you're only seeing Douglas Murray, or you're only seeing Jordan Peterson, or you're only seeing, you know, kind of whatever, you can kind of dismiss it as like, Oh yeah, he's a guy. He's saying some stupid shit, but kind of whatever. But then you see the ecosystem, you see the structure, you see the larger pattern at work, and you understand mm -hmm. that there are people who are treating people like Sam Harris and like the Weinstein's as useful idiots to push politics further and further and further right. Yeah. And the people I track mm -hmm. are the people on that far end of it. And so I know what their mm -hmm. goal is. I know what they're trying to do. And those people need to be opposed. And that's sort of, like, that's what anti-fascism is, ultimately. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, the more mainstream people seem, like, as a person from a minority background and a Muslim background, it is the people with more mainstream credibility that feel more threatening right. to me. I feel like Nazis, like open Nazis and people openly spouting like like extreme racism and being against race mixing and stuff like that, most reasonable people will look at that and just like reject it, right? But it's the subtler stuff that even intelligent people, if they're not actually following along and seeing the patterns and the wider uh, picture... The, the things that they'll miss and they'll promote. Like, on the surface, if I see someone in the not online world, just like talking about one of these whole PC gone too far story 
So, you know, it, it, like, at, at some point, it would have seemed harmless to me. Like, oh, yeah, they're talking about, like, the the cafeteria that shut down because they were, what was it? Like, they should, they wanted their gingerbread cookies to be gender neutral or something. I don't know. Some some stupid story like that. The college like, kids, the right college kids really... running amok. It, now it's, now it's some right. college so it's like, students doing a silly thing. Tomorrow, you won't be able to buy the color blue anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly what Brett Weinstein did. He, he turned college protests into, you know, shining path, didn't he? Basically, he actually called it Maoism. He actually compared it to the Cultural Revolution. Yeah. Yeah, so so that's what I'm saying. Like, if there's, like, some kind of story that seems harmless, like, oh, you know, someone said white pumpkins are racist on Halloween, you're like, oh, that's stupid, right? But if you see someone in the not-online world kind of obsessing on this story, to me, it's a red flag because, like, I kind of have seen that path, yeah. right? But to other people observing, it's like, why are you, like, kind of, why are you finding that so concerning, you know? I'll be like, oh, like I know where this anti-PC thing leads down to, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. not just about and and the oh people saying silly things are racist. It's about oh dear, like then it's like opposing the whole left, and it's like hating minorities, and then it's like oh fuck, totally. then it's phrenology. Yeah, totally. And when the this this stuff that we see today, it's all descended from the the political correctness scare that kind of started in the nineties, exactly. and that was very deliberately started by. By very conscious culture warriors, people like Dinesh D'Souza, who's still around now, of course. Mm. I think I saw a Peter Thiel speech or something as well from that era, the nineties, and I, I don't, yeah, I don't uh, it was very much like it was done it's today. Yeah, by people like Murray Rothbard. There's going to be a Peter Thiel episode. I've been <laughs> digging into some of his stuff from the nineties, and uh, yeah. oh, oh, there's so much there. Anyway. I was just saying, it's it's descended from the the PC scare, which is very consciously created as a culture war weapon to push uh, main the mainstream ever rightwards, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the mainstream being pushed ever rightwards. Mm -hmm. You know, as noticed by the the fact that the president for the past four years has been a more or less open racist and white supremacist, um, and it's mm. it's happening under the influence of very much these sorts of people, people like the Weinstein's and uh, and Sam Harris and people like Tim Pool and Andy Neo. These people are now mainstream or semi mainstream. They're pushing the mainstream right. But they are like uh, a lot of these people, the collar around their neck is being tugged on by people like the far right fringe that, 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 mm -hmm, that Daniel mm -hmm. and I look at. So that's the connection so, yeah. between what I do and what you do. I hope so. And the overlap. I mean, hopefully, hopefully the idea is that like you don't have to agree with my politics in order to understand that. There is a real connection to this kind of far right, you know, organizing. They're like actually pushing genocide. And I've said on a number of occasions, like the reason I do this work is to prevent genocide. Like that's actually the scale at which I think we need to be thinking about our politics in this era. And Joe Biden being elected does not like change that, by the way. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. I said, give me a month or so. <laughs> we still need to we still need to pay attention to it but like that's the scale of of course of course we the, do but can we just have some, right, days? We have some days i'm not saying joe biden is going to like commit genocide uh, it, it, i'm just i just want to clarify 
that like everything didn't get fixed. Everything isn't fixed when Joe of Biden. Of course, and, yes. Know, like, Let's you know, not get there complacent are larger, now. Like, yeah, structural issues. So please. Let's all like take a month off from thinking about Donald Trump. Wouldn't it be nice? Um, oh my gosh! And in that matter, like even Donald Trump was not ultimately like was not ultimately the avatar of this. It's the thing that comes after him. It's the structure that's being built underneath him. It's the thing that's being built underneath the log where all the maggots grow, where all the where nobody wants to look. And the job, yep. again, the job of Vinyl. So, German, like, when America has, like, a far-right YouTuber president, that's what we have to really worry well, about. Well, Tucker Carlson may run in 2024. <laughs> and Tucker Carlson's been pushing... Who? Tucker Carlson? <gasps> he's been pushing... He's basically a white nationalist. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, Trump is... I mean, too, he's but further like, than... Tucker is further along, further than along. Is, you know? And he had this guy who was posting on this, like, you know, not quite explicitly as far as, like, the Daily Show boards, but, like, might as well have been, like, this guy Blake Neff, who got fired after he was exposed. Oh, from Tucker from, Carlson. He was writing right. Tucker Carlson's monologues. Yeah. You know, for Yeah, and it, shows, and it shows. And it, it shows. shows. Yeah. And there are people within the Republican Party. There are people, and we haven't really talked about this, and we need to, like, wrap up, but, like, there are figures who are trying to infiltrate the Republican Party and probably the Democratic Party. If they're smart, hopefully don't know. Cut that. Don't listen. Don't listen. To, don't <laughs> don't just, give them that's any That's a problem ideas, I run into on a number of cases, which the warning <laughs> of things we might look forward to. I do worry that like, the Nazis are going like, that guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> like, maybe we need to do the Democrats as well. I think the Democrats will be slightly better at like rejecting the uh, rejecting that particular virus but there are people doing quiet unheralded work within think tanks within the republican party and within like kind of that republican infrastructure within that media infrastructure who are overt genocidal anti-semitic nazis this is known for a fact mm -hmm. we know this to be true so what you're saying is that white supremacy isn't so fringe of the it's fringe. Not, it's really not. The fringe. What they do is they know well enough to hide it for now while they're in right. a more public forum. And so we have to understand it for what it is. And we have to oppose the people in the IDW, the people in that kind of centrist, let's just look at both sides, stepping, stepping stone. stone spheres. And we need to oppose. We can understand that Sam Harris has some good things that he says very occasionally these days, but he occasionally is a reasonable human being, and we can acknowledge that, and that he's not a Nazi, and that he is either willfully or, or unwillingly, you know, unknowingly, um, promoting far-right discourses that only gives sucker to these overtly genocidal racists, even when he thinks he's opposing them, because he doesn't understand them. Yeah, yeah. Every time he launders a point that he gets from Charles Murray, he makes the 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 racist uh, rhetoric of a of a Mike Enoch sound more respectable. Hmm. What do you make of Charles Murray? Is he also a useful idiot, or uh, there's a very good, is there something to the cross? Very good article and N plus one that describes uh, Charles Murray's history um, in terms of like he kind of got his start. I. In Vietnam, in sort of that post-war era, doing uh, social support and um, 
he kind of came to the conclusion based on his observations in this kind of very limited space in which the U.S. government was doing very little to actually help the Vietnamese population um, for various socio-political reasons. But he comes to uh, the conclusion in his in his uh, in his writing and in his personal life that. Uh, well, we just need to uh, avoid giving kind of over national social support, that any kind of social democratic institution is fundamentally going to do more harm than good. And then he starts to export that to his work in the United States. And like you can kind of draw a through line from that to the bell curve, to his work at AEI, to his UBI work. And like his entire career mm-hmm. is about not so much being overtly racist. Like I don't know that Charles Murray, I don't think Charles Murray is a Nazi, right? But Charles Murray's like his mm-hmm. entire thing is about the immiseration of the social welfare state um, because ultimately people will behave better if we stop giving them money. And so ultimately what Charles Murray is doing is driving uh, poverty, which drives crime, which drives and then exacerbates all the further problems because when poor people are poor, mm-hmm. They commit crimes in order to get resources they need in order to feed themselves, in order to improve their lives. And then the police state is increased in order to uh, go against them, in which case – and then it all just goes into a cycle because once you've spent uh, more time in prison, then you are less employable, et cetera, et cetera. And so – any sense of kind of looking at these problems of like kind of criminality or, or anything like that without looking at the actual kind of sociological history of it is fundamentally misguided regardless of how much data you have ultimately. You have to look at the politics of it. You have to look at the actual kind of sociological function of all this stuff, right? Um, one of the one of the <laughs> sorry again I keep bringing up stuff that is uh, we're trying to wrap up here, but the United States imprisons more people as a fraction of its population today than any regime in history except for the absolute handful of like top years of the Soviet gulag system. Not Kyle Rittenhouse though. Well yeah, Kyle Rittenhouse <laughs> got to go out and he's he's promoted by a, the high, uh, what is it called the uh, the Black Rifle Coffee Company is Yeah, I couldn't believe that's true. Just uh can you give some context on who he is like just he's the shooter yeah. He's the, he's the Kenosha kid. So he's the 17-year-old who showed up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who was, quote-unquote, defending a car dealership. First of all, why the fuck would you defend Jesus. a car dealership? Like, who, like, uh, my, like well, to shoot somebody. Private property is a lot more valuable than the lives of black people. Come on. I mean, it is. And, like, he was running through the streets, <sighs> and, like, there's a bunch of video, and like, the exact accounts are disputed. But he shot two people, killed one of them. He's definitely shot he people, shot, me, like, he and he's out. definitely shot two people and definitely killed one of them. And uh, the other one, uh, he, I mean, basically took that guy's arm. I'm not sure, like, if it actually got amputated or kind of what the situation is. But And while Kyle Rittenhouse is not personally a Nazi, so far as we know, uh, I believe one of the people he traveled to Wisconsin, because he uh, lived in Illinois, and so he crossed, it's, it's like a 20-minute drive across the state border, but he crossed into Wisconsin. One of the people who he was driving with um, has a long history of forum posts on an actual far-right neo-Nazi forum. Um, of and course. Also, he has been, he has, his cause has been celebrated by uh, the people at the Daily Show uh, as one of their like central uh, uh, talking points that they use 
in terms of uh, promoting their, again, overtly anti-Semitic and genocidal agenda. Um, Can you imagine what would happen if, say, that was, like, someone on the left that was getting bailed out and that had shot someone um, or someone that was Muslim or, yeah. you know, well, it, can you imagine? It doesn't have to actually happen though. This is a thing because they just hallucinate it. You you know, you don't have to go very far yeah. to find endless tweets and posts and vi- videos, whatever about, you know, Antifa being this absolutely ruinous, murderous terrorist organization that burns cities to the ground and murders people left, right and center. This is completely detached from reality. We, again, we know the sociology on this. We know that it's something like 68, 69% of domestic terrorism in the States is from far right groups. We know that more than half yeah, of that yeah. is aimed at, at people like protesters. And so we, again, we know the sociology on this, but these people live in, I think it was um, Dave Nywood who called it an, an epistemological bubble. They they just fantasize. Oh, there I go using that. I'll, I'll be in trouble with Heather Hying now. <laughs> it's all just a fantasy. You say, "Oh, you use the word fantasize." That's how you know not a serious thinker on these topics. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. The hypocrisy is staggering. Yeah, it's endless. I mean, we could have a five-hour episode talking about the hypocrisy of the right or the hypocrisy of the IDW. But it's been so much fun chatting with you guys, and uh, I, I'm sure we could go on and on, but all good things must come to an end. <laughs> I'm sure we could go on and on, but thanks ever so much for having us. It's been yeah. uh, an honor and a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on your show, too, and for giving Woking Up a shout-out. That was very kind oh, yeah, of you. We will, I'm uh, glad you're we'll enjoying it. We'll do it again it. Once, uh, once the next episode drops, for sure. Yeah. Once, yeah. Once <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure I speak for Daniel <laughs> when I say you have an open invitation to come back on IDSG anytime you like. Thank you so much. Absolutely, yeah. And anything you guys would like to plug or... You know, obviously everyone should listen to your show and support you on Patreon because you are the brilliant genius <laughs> IDSG. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I promised I would say that at yeah. the end. Yep, I uh, specified yeah. that Ina had to say that before we started, so she's fulfilling her contractual <laughs> obligations. <laughs> she she has to say nice things about us. That was not a thing that she did willingly. It was, uh, you know, we required it. Is a, is a, it's a, yeah, it's a process. No, um, yeah, I don't speak German.libsync.com. That's where you can find the podcast. It's also on uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. I think it's on there now. Not on YouTube because we weren't getting anything on YouTube. I mean, Jack handles all the back end on that, so you know, kind of whatever. But um, that's where you can find it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper. My Patreon is Daniel Harper, so you can uh, check that out there if you want to give me a couple of bucks. I will appreciate it. And I'm hoping to start writing um, in addition to podcasting in the uh, very near future. Um, so, uh, yeah, check that out. Very yeah. cool. You guys should get like a sponsor that is um, some kind of German language. <laughs> yeah, like teaching. Duolingo. Duolingo. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, and then we could gradually <laughs> learn German during the course of the show and change the title eventually and then you have to change the we can yeah do a exactly little segment where like we suddenly start learning german is like sprachen de deutsch you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> i actually 
Oops, we speak German actually, now. I, I did. I was actually trying to learn German with one of the online apps, uh, you know, for a while. And I kind of got to the point at which it was easier to just kind of game the app than it was to actually learn the material. <laughs> um, because, like, the app just wasn't working for me because it didn't match my learning style. And so I kind of gave it up. But I did have this, like, plan when we first started the podcast of, like, I should just quietly start learning German in my spare time. And then, like, you know... <laughs> And then like start split like like just laying it in here and there and be like oh well in the original German that's uh, this you know and uh, you know but uh, you know now that I've said it on the podcast I can't <laughs> I can't actually do it which is a good thing for everyone else. I, I want I want to reiterate the title. F- firstly, the title is my fault, and secondly, it's not meant to be any sort of shade on either Germans as people or the German language, which I actually think is a beautiful <laughs> language. Um, uh, to to answer your question, if people want to find me and my stuff, my Patreon, my writing, and of course IDSG, you can just the best best place to go is to my Twitter, which is at underscore Jack underscore Graham underscore, and you'll be very welcome. Excellent, thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. Okay, just popping in to say that conversation was way too woke for me and. Uh, because I am so rational, I just have to put it out there that uh, those two guys were way woker than I expected. <laughs>